You are about to enter the Create Unknown, and make sure to follow us over at patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. In a live stream the other night, we showed some cool stuff that we're sending out to the dumpster crew, to the infantry, to the baby gang. And even if you don't sign up, you can follow for free and find out about streams. So keep listening, because we reveal details about an emergency shipment coming your way. And remember that 100% of Patreon goes to producing this show and right back into the TCU community. Except uh, for what Kevin needs to spend on diapers. His Walmart was out of toilet paper this week, so he's been wearing pull-ups for seven, eight, nine days. Um, I guess you could say that... He's a big boy now. Patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Links in the description. Hey, welcome to The Create Unknown. I am Kevin Lieber. With me, as always, is Matthew Tabor. Now, Matt, please tell me something. First, I need to know that... You're going to be okay with this because I did this research on Vsauce time. I think it's so good, though, that you're you're not even going to be mad. Oh, okay, so this is kind of like a fringe benefit of Vsauce research spilling into TCU. Tell me something. It is. And we've talked about, you know, we've talked about interesting tidbits and, and this and that, but we haven't really done anything groundbreaking, have we? It's just been, here's a cool thing that, that I read at some point, but we have something to tell the world now. Oh, we have something new, a connection that nobody has, has made before. And we're going to debut it. All right. World exclusive. Here we go. Let it rip. We found the, in the animal kingdom, the origin of the simp, and the coomer. <laughs> what? <laughs> when you started I that sentence, that I didn't think it, it was going to end that way. <laughs> when I started that whole line of inquiry, I didn't think I was going to wind up where I, I did. But it occurred to me as I was reading through this research, there, there's actually like simping uh, before humans. And in 2005, uh, three researchers at Duke did a study with male rhesus macacus, you know, the little, uh, little monkey things. Mm -hmm. And they had a system of offering them juice to see if they would view, uh, how much juice they would pay to view the hindquarters of female monkeys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who did this study? And, <laughs> Robert Diener, Amit Kara, and Michael Platt, all of Duke University at the time, Medical Center at the time. Uh -huh. It was 15 years ago. So who knows what they've moved on to since, but it's what they were doing in 2005. Um, but the, the findings were that the male monkeys effectively paid juice to view those pictures of the female monkeys or other high-ranking uh, in the, the monkey social circle, high-ranking monkeys' faces. Uh, does this sound like anything to you that's that's been a topic of discussion on the internet recently? <laughs> yeah, it's basically uh, <laughs> monkey only fans, <laughs> essentially. It is, it is exactly mon monkey only fans. Um, uh, so yeah, when there's a per perceived value in in a thing. So uh, whether it was 
the the female value or like respect you know i'm supporting this respected monkey uh whatever they they were okay with foregoing juice to make that happen but when it was the opposite um a a less attractive prospect they required more of a payment in juice to (laughs) to see them so if you're like a little like a little monkey uggo um you know the the male monkeys needed to pretty much be bribed into to looking um but i'm reading this i'm like oh my god this is the like genetic origins of simping and only fans and also like free markets like free market enterprise and uh you know entrepreneurship <laughs> starts with juice yeah. and <laughs> hindquarters that's right it was just the hindquarters and and some faces uh but that's it's it's a thing and it's been a thing since before humans apparently i mean nobody nobody ran a monkey juice bar as far as i know like a million years ago there was no like planet of the apes you know bar uh strip club where uh juice was being paid to see female monkeys um <laughs> what uh, a sentence <laughs> <laughs> But but what a strange thing, though, you know, and I I do follow a bunch of people who, um, you know, question this stuff like Brittany Venti talks about OnlyFans stuff all the time and, and, you know, kind of rips on some people. And uh, it's an interesting perspective and whatever. But I'm just reading through and I'm like, wow, there's actually a basis into uh, valuing this kind of thing and behaving in this kind of way. So that was that was fascinating. Yeah, and it turns out we, that chimps probably simp. <laughs> so there you chimps go. Chimps simp. <laughs> That's right. And nobody has made this connection before. We made it on the Create Unknown. We're the cutting edge of of scientific research of all kinds, <laughs> uh, starting with with last week's foot worship um, warning, I guess, and <laughs> this week with the debut of. Uh, if not fully original research, since we didn't conduct the study, we certainly are drawing a unique conclusion that I think the world needs to know. Yeah, and it only took you know fifteen years for somebody to surface this study and 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 make that connection. But hey, better better late than never. <laughs> the funny thing is, I don't remember how I even got to this. I don't remember what I was even looking for when. I started reading these papers because it's not related to the video that we're working on now. So I can't recall how I got down this rabbit hole. So don't don't log in and like check my search history. Yeah, on, but on the Vsauce email accounts because I won't be able to explain it. <laughs> what 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 this does say though is that somebody listening to this podcast could quite easily now make a video on the evolutionary origins of simping. And I I bet people would watch that. I'm sure there's other uh, instances that that can be drawn upon to build this case. They would. They would. We know some people who would treat that kind of topic extremely well. Yeah, it's a good idea. <laughs> so We should collab with them. Yeah. We're we're giving it to you, listeners. Go go forth and, and do your research. Too. Make your video essay. <laughs> <laughs> um so we had a great live stream last week. I want to thank everybody who came along to crown in and out burger as the official TCU fast food with not without controversy though. 
It was no, a very, was very tight race between In-N-Out and Taco Bell. And I think it was, it came down to one vote difference to crowd in and out. Yes, that's right. Because we, we had the poll up and it kept waffling back and forth. Like who's in the lead, who's in the lead. Then it settled at 50, 50 and you were the only one left to vote. So, uh, we did have a vote that changed it right before you had to, but for a few minutes, it was looking like you were going to have to break that tie. That's how close it was. Yeah. And part of me decided, you know what? I have never gotten ill off of in and out with Taco Bell, I love Taco Bell, but it's like a, what would you say, a, a 33% chance, like one out of three, that you're going to be like extremely sick for for about <laughs> half an hour, like like 40 minutes after you ingest that food? I'd say it's a lot closer to four out of three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know it, you know, the one time, the one time that I think I have had no problems at all, no discomfort in my stomach after eating Taco Bell. The last time I had it, it was at your place. Oh, uh, we went and got Taco Bell cause it was, you know, kind of nearby and we'd recorded some podcasts and, and grabbed Taco Bell and I was fine with that. And I remember thinking, oh, this is really unwise because I have this long drive home and I don't, there's stretches of that drive too, that like, there's no rest stop. There's no, no, there's no way to deal with a pressing problem. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and it was going to be like two in the morning and I'm thinking, well, this Taco Bell tastes really good now, but there's a chance that I'm like on the side of the interstate at two in the morning, just, you know, like wondering if I, if I have a change of pants in my car, um, but I rolled those dice and it worked out okay. So I did have a good experience there. But most of the time, I'd say at the least, I feel pretty pretty bad physically. Yeah, but now I'm kind of rethinking my logic on this because if it's so apparent that it, there's a high risk of getting ill and we still keep eating it, maybe that's actually a, a notch in like the pros category, you know, because that that's really powerful. says something. <laughs> Yes, it does. Yeah. And I think that's a valid way to look at it, too, that if you know there are severe negative consequences and you proceed anyway, it's got to be worth it in some way. <laughs> yeah. 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 So what we did all agree upon, however, is that White Castle is trash. Uh, no one. The only D tier. That was the only D tier was White Castle. And then we went to war over a few. We went to war over Little Caesars. We went to war over Domino's, I believe. Yeah, Domino's was a biggie, uh, which I think it's significant that the pizza ones are on war tier because, number one, I think pizza is a little bit different, that the opinions can vary a little bit more. Uh, and also with something like Domino's, we had the dissension, the differences in votes seem to come from people outside the U.S. Uh, who, who like Domino's a lot more. Uh, generally. So I think that's significant too, uh, where it can be made a little bit differently and um, stand out a little more. I'm looking at the tier, the tiers right now. It wasn't Domino's, it was Pizza Hut, but that just goes to show how contentious ranking the pizza places actually was. No one could really agree yeah. whether any of these pizza places were awesome or terrible. The other uh, war restaurant was Arby's, which surprised me. I thought right. Arby's was like a decent 
place. I happen to think it's pretty good, actually, and like one of the higher quality like uh, food fast food places. But there were some serious detractors on Arby's, and and we had to uh, throw it into the war category. I don't know what Arby's has done to some of these people. And if you weren't on the stream, I talked about how I got extremely sick after eating. Uh, an Arby's beef and cheddar that was given to me as a Christmas present in a <laughs> box of fast food burgers. Uh, the taco. <laughs> so this so went... <laughs> great. So great. <laughs> so, so this went wrong, and I, I ended up getting poisoned from that beef and cheddar. Um, and I still I still like Arby's. That didn't affect the way I think of Arby's, but uh, it appears to have hurt a bunch of people in the TC universe a lot worse than it hurt me back in the day. Yeah, but we also decided on this live stream that the next one will be casual dining places. So think of Applebee's, Red Lobster, Red Robin, Chili's, Olive yeah. Garden, that sort of thing. That's going to be our next live stream. If you want to find out when that's going to happen, follow us on Twitter, hop in the Discord, follow us on Patreon because we always announce it there. Uh, even if you don't become a patron, you can follow the Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash the create unknown and you will know when we do our next live stream. It's so much fun. I love doing them. Uh, we've been doing them a lot lately and, and hopefully that that continues that pace because it is awesome. I think Conrad may have made the alternatives to toilet paper tier list. That's one that I want to do too <laughs> because I think that's, I think that's uh, just it lends itself to some really interesting analysis of things you otherwise might not analyze in that way. <laughs> yeah, okay, that sounds good. But what we really want to talk about today is stealing tweets, because this is something that I've noticed for quite a while now, and I'm interested in your take on it. I'm interested in our listeners' take on it, because I got to tell you, I feel like such a boomer when it comes to stealing tweets, because... From from my perspective, it seems like nobody cares about this. Like you can just literally copy and paste a tweet from somebody and tweet it yourself. And even if you know the person that you took it from, nobody seems to care. And even if somebody in the replies points out like, hey, you know, you took this or you got this from this person, nobody rallies around that person who had their tweet stolen. It it just seems like it's not a thing, like it's not a big deal at all. There's more comfort with it uh, than I would have assumed, but, but let's be clear about this. This, about the origin of this topic, uh, we decided on this, we started talking about it because I was the victim of a hate crime, <laughs> okay? I was a victim of a Twitter hate crime perpetuated by uh, the now- wanted international criminal James Marion. That's right. Um, James makes uh, kind of commentary style videos. Uh, he's extremely funny and he is, uh, he is a, a thief and a scoundrel. And I am, I'm the victim of his lack of scruples. What happened the other day is I saw this tweet that was um, reply. If you really, really in there, like, 38 reallys. And I forget what the last line was, but it was something very kind of lame and inoffensive. Like if you really want, want to have a great day, 
or if you really like need to have a good day or some like kind of motivational thing. Mm-hmm. And I'd just woken up. I thought that was a little, little bit weak. So I took the whole setup to that and changed the last line to uh, really want to zig a zig ah, because that's from the Spice Girls wannabe song. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I like it's, it just jumped in my head because that's the only thing where somebody says really multiple times in rhythm. Like, you know, as I'm reading it, I'm like, oh. Um, uh, so I changed that, which completely changes the meaning and substance of the tweet. I didn't feel weird about that. You gave it a punchline, essentially. You- I gave it a punchline. Yeah. I gave it a punchline. And uh, it did really well for me. Like in the scale of my Twitter account, it did really well. Uh, and that was cool. And I was glad that I could have uh, improved the Twitter experience for dozens of people worldwide. The fiend, the scoundrel, James Marriott. <laughs> uh <laughs> first he liked he liked the tweet or, or no he retweeted it uh mine and then took back the retweet and changed it kept the the spice girls aspect and just changed uh retweet this if you want to you know instead of reply whatever so the substance of the tweet was exactly the same as mine and the punchline was the same the setup and the punchline punch was, was the same. same. Right. It was just one word. It was the same. Now, James the Criminal, which, by the way, I like James a lot. Um, you know, we're not BFFs, but we have a bunch of friends in common. So, uh, you know, we we uh, talk occasionally. We did. Yeah, he's dead to me now. <laughs> I mean, it's over forever. Um, but no, so his tweet got, <laughs> I looked before we started this this uh, session here, 10,000 likes, 2,000 retweets. It felt good because it validated that what I thought was funny actually turned out to be funny. So that's good. But I, I was the victim of a little, little bit of petty theft. Um, but it goes back to that theme that you're talking about, that how do you do this? And when, when this happened, you and I were talking uh and it evolved into this general conversation about how original can you even be, even if you try to avoid stuff like that? Uh, how is it even possible to tweet something that nobody's tweeted before or make a joke that is truly original? Uh, and it, it, it really has a lot of pathways that go into all kinds of art and creativity and everything else. So I, I thought it was cool. Yeah, and the way that I've been thinking about it, past few days is there's actually this weird gray area between memes and jokes where like for instance if a thing is a meme then everybody's trying to make a joke surrounding that meme it's kind of like a variations on a theme scenario sure yeah right where like there is this one meme going around like uh for instance today Today, Madonna posted this horrendously cringy video of herself in a milk white bathtub filled with flowers where okay. she's talking about how the coronavirus is proving how everyone is equal and how the virus like doesn't care who you are. 
You know, it doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor or you're this or you're that. Like, the coronavirus doesn't care. It affects us all equally because we're all equal. Meanwhile, she's in, like, like a milk bath covered, like, surrounded by <laughs> rose petals in her, like, no doubt, you know, $20 million mansion, probably, in Beverly Hills or whatever. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a little ridiculous. So I've seen a ton of jokes making fun of Madonna's bath video, right? And I made one as well. So variations on a theme or making are trying to kind of like outdo each other, create creating the best punchline or the best joke on a meme. That is not copying. I think that is just sure. It's just a a topic that everyone's trying to do their best joke about. It's almost like a topic like airplane food being boring or, you know, people being lazy and not wanting to exercise. Okay, that's just a topic and you can come up with a million variations of jokes on that topic. But I've what I've seen is people literally just tweeting the same thing, the same words. Sometimes copy e and pasted. Yeah, yeah. just copied and copy and pasted of people that they know it's it, it's um, i mean i don't know if that makes it better or worse but it's not like because here's an here's another thing i was thinking back in the day okay let's say like vaudeville years like 80 years ago okay you traveled to like, so when you were when you were a kid <laughs> yeah when i was a kid growing yeah. up with groucho and harpo and <laughs> <laughs> the marx brothers you could travel to some comedy show in like the catskills and then you move to Las Vegas or whatever. That, that, that probably wouldn't work. But then you go to Palm Springs. I don't know. And you do the same jokes that you saw in the Catskills across the country. Well, that's a different era and a different time. And like, who's going to know? Like, maybe those people, if it's a great joke, they never would have heard it otherwise. Because no, how could they, right? It's just a different. How could they know? It's a different world. But today, and how would the person who it was taken from even know somebody was out there doing their routine? They'd never know. It must have been really easy to like be Carlos Mencia in 1931, at least on the comedy side. Um, you know, you could get away with anything. And yeah, like you said, you could go out and do a thing and take a bit or just straight up take a set if you wanted to. And how would anybody ever, ever know? Yeah, you could copy an entire act. And, and yeah, the person that copied it uh, or, or who was plagiarized would never know and the audience would never know. And it, to me, that's almost like a victimless crime at that point. It's it's just such a, a different thing. But but now when I scroll down my timeline and one person makes a joke and then I see that like 20 minutes earlier, another person that I follow made the same joke. I just feel weird about that. It seems odd. I do. I do feel a little funny there. Uh, when I know that, when I know that somebody saw it, especially when the three people involved, the, the thief, the one it came from, and then you as the observer, when all three people know each other, like, you know, exactly what happened here. <laughs> you know, that, who saw what on their feed and what they decided to do, you know, too much. And that makes it a little uncomfortable. Um, but there is that kind of generational thing where, um, it's perfectly acceptable to a lot of people to do that. And we look at it and we're like, ah, you know, we're so used to giving credit to people and uh, being like, 
I took this from my friend because he's funny as hell. Follow him, you know, and it's, it just doesn't operate that way. And so I, I get that. Uh, but it leads to the, the really general question. And you as somebody who has made video content, you did music stuff back in the day, you've done artistic things of all kinds is is anything original or is everything derivative in some way whether it's intentional or not i guess it just kind of means it kind of depends on what you mean by that i think that that there absolutely is originality if the artwork you know comes from a place where like a person's actual experience is injected into the art you know like i see let's just talk about like twitter for instance like i think quackity's tweets are really original like i don't know where he comes up with his like yeah that's true his like hatred of babies or whatever it's it's just really funny i i don't know his style is very unique too like the way he writes those tweets uh, and makes his point is nobody else is doing that you know this weird little like rambling rant uh (laughs) that winds up in the the punchline is extremely unique yeah yeah and, and obviously you can be influenced by someone and that's natural that's that's how you get inspiration you know that's pretty much kind of like what the idea of a creative muse is right like there's some some external thing outside of you that's causing you to want to create something but at the end of the day i think that it's kind of an inexplicable thing to some degree when things are created originally so like if you're a musician, right, you have to learn how to play an instrument and you're going to have to learn by listening to other people unless you somehow create your own instrument <laughs> from scratch that like you invented in your genius creative brain. Um, it's more likely than not that you listened to some bands that you really liked or some composers who you really liked and you learned that way and then eventually you kind of piece things together to make it your own. I mean, think about making a Vsauce 2 video, right? A lot of it is research from dozens of people, from dozens of disciplines all over the world. And then eventually it's kind of crafted through your own unique lens, like into Mm -hmm. a narrative or an interpretation or a conclusion that only you could come up with. And that's, to me, that's kind of like what the creative process is really all about. Is like plucking things from around you, injecting your own personality into it, and then hopefully you've created something that people can relate to because it's not too obscure and 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 weird, but at the same time has your own personality injected into it. There does seem to be this fine line that you kind of alluded to be, between being influenced by something and then... Uh, if not outright copying it, absorbing that style too much. And, you know, you definitely, everybody listening to this has some kind of band or artist that you listen to and you have a sense of the music that they liked. Um, you know, this, this was in the, in the nineties, you could listen to a lot of music and just be like, oh, those guys liked Metallica growing up. You know, it just had this feel, but they weren't, they weren't copies of Metallica. They weren't some third rate cover band. They were just uh, kind of, uh, you know, 
little hints here and there of, of how they thought about what they were doing and it showed up in the music. And sometimes it was like a straight up little tribute inclusion, which is cool. Uh, and I think that happens on, on YouTube too. You, and it happens on podcasts. Uh, there, I've seen a bunch of podcasts that are so clearly done in a style that you, you can tell how somebody got into podcasts. I don't, you know, I don't want to use a specific example on this, but there's one that, that Kevin, I know you and I both kind of uh, listen to here and there, right? And it's kind of a one man talk show kind of podcast. It's got a pretty funny community and all of this. There are like half a dozen podcasts out there that mirror the guy's cadence they mirror his show setup. They mirror some of the bits he does. They talk about the same exact topics. Um, even when it's not the same topic, they do it in the same way, in the same style. That's, I mean, in a way that's cool because you can tell they saw a thing and they really liked it and they respected it. And they wanted to do something like that too. Then it's a question of how much of your own spin and flavor do you put in so it really is yours. And that's got to be a thing on on YouTube too, uh, where the, you know, I think of the different kind of genres, right? I think there were a lot of copies of, is it odd one is out, uh, that does the animation stuff. Yeah. Yeah. When that blew up, there were a lot of people trying to do exactly that in, in the months that followed. Uh, and some succeeded and some didn't, and some found their own, their own path from that jumping off point. We've certainly seen it on the, on education channels too, where somebody will uh, whip a thing up and, and you can look at it and just be like, yeah, I know you were a fan of X, Y, and Z back in the day. Mm -hmm. And hopefully they get to a point where it is completely unique. But uh, what, how has this played out for you? Like it's easier for you because you were so early, but how did you, for example, how did you make sure that your videos, that Vsauce 2 wasn't just, uh, just, you know, uh, Michael with a, a different host? Like, how was it, how'd you make sure you weren't, uh, that you were distinctly original from Vsauce back in the day? Well, uh, first, before I answer that question, I, I did think of two bands that started as cover bands that people might not realize. So Metallica actually started by just covering songs. They didn't write their own music for a while. I saw this interview recently where Lars was talking about how he would go to Europe, find all of these kind of older, like folk kind of songs, and then they'd go back to LA and just play them. And nobody in LA knew, the, knew these songs, so they thought they were their songs, and they weren't. And then eventually they started writing their own songs, obviously. Um, and also, Godsmack was an Alice in Chains cover band. I didn't know that. Yeah, so the Godsmack symbol, I mean Godsmack is an Alice in Chains song. That that's where they got that okay. name. And their logo comes from Alice in Chains. And then eventually Godsmack started writing their own songs. They got, you know, really really popular for a while and the you know, they did their own thing. But th those are two examples of bands that I'm sure a million bands have similar stories, but those are the ones that popped when we started talking about that. Um, and as far as Vsauce is concerned, I, I think that that's kind of a good example or like a clear illustration that I hope that our listeners can understand like what I'm trying to say as far as taking something that might be similar and injecting your own personality into it. You know, like 
there's no way for me to do a topic the way that Michael does. Like we're just not the same person. And I don't think that there's a way for him to do a topic the way that I would. You know, there, there are a lot of things about the way that we work and the way that we think that are just different enough. They're similar enough in the fact that we both have pretty strange senses of humor. I think that that was like the thing that really what that we connected on first. Like that's that's how we met is he really liked my Jerry Bloop weird videos of like eating eggs off the floor. <laughs> like he thought that was really funny, um, which is, you know, which was rare then. Not that many people thought that was funny, but Michael did. And, you know, he's still like that. Obviously, you know, he's pulling like donuts out of the toilet to start his most recent Vsauce video. He still has an odd sense of humor like that. But other than that, I think that I just like to do more stuff that's like um, a little on the sillier side, um, a little bit less obsessive, I think, than Michael can get on a topic. I mean, that's part of the reason why it mm -hmm. takes him a really long time to make a video is as soon as he answers one question, then he asks a question about that question. And it's yeah. really hard for him. Sometimes he just doesn't stop asking more and more, more questions. There's, there's a topic that I know he's been working on for over a year that I'm not going to tell anybody because that wouldn't be right. But, you know, I'm sure eventually he will make this video, but it hasn't happened yet because he's still learning about this thing and still coming up with ways of thinking about it and, and, and teaching people about it. And I, I just don't do that. Based on what you just described, it sounds like you didn't have to work very hard to be original. You just did it your own way. And producer Ben put together some uh, some basic stats from, you know, there are these like state of state of the YouTube reports that come out annually and this and that. And so um, I think this this came from one of those uh, recent ones and it says there's something like 30, 31 million channels on YouTube. That seems accurate to me mm -hmm. um, uh, with 16,000 of them having over a million subs. Wow. Uh yeah, 3.8 million gaming channels. Wow. Tens and tens of that. What's it say? 45,000 beauty channels. Um, yeah, who knows how many educational channels? Ah, oh, can, can you stand out with a completely original approach when you're talking hundreds of thousands of potential competing channels? Uh, how many are going to be extremely similar to yours? Oh, so many of them. Yeah. Yeah. So many. It's so is hard. Is it something to worry about? I mean, I'm saying is, do you even need to worry about it? It really about depends on what your goals are. You know, like for me, when I was doing YouTube in the beginning, I mean, part of, part of the people who are doing YouTube in the beginning that makes it so weird is like, why were we doing that? It was really weird. Like today, you understand why people make YouTube videos. They do it for clout. They do it for money. They do it because it's a career now. Back then, it was just like, we're all crazy people that need to make things. And this is a really great way to, to share them with like the 12 people that we know. And if that ends up turning into like 25 people, that would be pretty neat, right? <laughs> it's like super, super weird. The reason that I say that is that I think that at the end of the day, 
regardless of what you're making, you got to really want to make stuff to do this. You have to really be kind of waking up every day thinking like, what am I going to make today? Or like, what progress am I going to make to get towards the thing that I'm working on? Or else it doesn't matter whether you're a commentary channel or you're doing nail tutorials or cosplay tutorials or educational videos. Who cares what your thumbnail looks like if you hate that process? Unless you really need that process, it starts there. And then afterwards, I think it's just kind of like a never-ending iterative journey of, you know, what do I, what am I passionate about making and what do people respond to? When you were talking about Michael, I was thinking about uh, in the, how he approaches videos. I was thinking about a couple instances where you've covered literally the same thing, the same concept, the same topic, and they the results are completely different things. Uh, the most recent example is, is probably uh, the Monty Hall problem. You'd mentioned it in the past uh, with the What is a Paradox video. Michael made a video about a year later on that on that topic more mm-hmm. directly on the nose yeah and it was it was completely different it wasn't um it it just was not in any kind of conflict with yours and then you worked it into a recent video where it wasn't the focus of it but it was like a super little fringe conceptually and that didn't cover the same ground as michael's video or your first one uh we've talked in the past too about like the color blue that was Joe Hansen who has who has this video on blue in nature. Uh, you have a video that's about uh, the invention of blue and, you know, how blue came to be and all this. You look at these two titles, these two videos, and think this is the same thing. Not only are they completely different, but they work really nicely in conjunction with one another. Like, it's it's great to catch them both and get two different sets of information. But this happens all the time where there's a topic that's uh, conceptually, you know, not basic, but conceptually common in something like science or math. You know, we'll look at something and, oh, Numberphile did a video on it five years ago. Or, uh, you know, this guy did a thing or this girl did a, a you know, an exhaustive uh, thing. Well, you know, I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters at all uh, because there just hasn't been a point that I can think of where you have had to kill a video idea because it was that similar to what anybody else has done. There's always a way to take this thing that somebody has done some work on and take it in a completely new direction, do it with a new personality. And it's, it's not, it's not even an interpretation of the song. It's not just like a cover in your style. It's really a completely different thing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's like, wow, you're using the same chords, but so what? <laughs> it's a totally <laughs> yeah, different song. Yeah. Um, in that Monty Hall video, which Michael did on Ding, he even said at the beginning, something along the lines, he prefaced that video saying, look, this has been covered a lot. It's even been covered by Kevin on Vsauce 2 pretty well, but at the end of the day, I think that the more perspectives that we have when it comes to understanding things like Monty Hall, the better. And I agree with that. There was the three prisoners problem, which was in the most recent Vsauce 2 video. There were a bunch of comments from people saying, 
Oh, so Vsauce is just recycling ideas now? Because Michael had mentioned oh, yeah, the three yeah. prisoners problem in a video from like eight years ago or something, which quite honestly, I had forgotten about. You know, I've made a lot of videos. I that either. Michael's yeah. made a lot of videos. I don't remember every single thing that's been in these like hours and hours and hours of content over the last, you know, nine years. But so I went back to watch his explanation of it and it's completely, completely different. So it's like, while on one hand, I understand and I sympathize like, hey, we've already heard this. On the other hand, it's like, well, you haven't heard it this way. And hopefully somebody else will do it another way that maybe explains it even better than I have. And all of that, I think, goes back to what we talked about sort of at the beginning of this discussion of variations on a theme, which, again, I want to separate from plagiarism and actual just outright copying. You know, you mentioned Carlos Mencia. So for everyone oh, listening yeah. <laughs> who's not a boomer and doesn't know who Carlos Mencia is... Oh, that like, was a long time ago, wasn't it? It was now. Now that I'm thinking of it. Yeah, it was oh, a man. while ago, man. So That was when Joe Rogan wasn't even a podcast host. <laughs> when no one knew Joe Rogan because of his podcast. <laughs> yeah, the only reason you know Joe Rogan was because of like Fear Factor or uh, news radio. <laughs> right. So, whereas, whereas Kevin was a fan of Just Shoot Me. Where uh, Joe Rogan, didn't he have a bit part on that show? It was no, a, no. It was an news, old like sitcom with David Spade. News radio he was on. He wasn't on. News I don't, radio? I don't, I don't, I don't he think wasn't he was on Just on, Shoot Me? I don't think he was on Just Shoot Me. Brian Posehn was on Just Shoot Me. Oh, God. Well, it was a long time ago. Yeah, news radio. Yeah, you're right. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> so <laughs> I totally bonked that up. <laughs> get, get your 90s sitcoms right, man. So- Back in the day, I don't remember when this was. What is this? Early 2000s, I would I would say. Uh, Carlos Mencia was kind of notorious, I guess, within the stand-up scene for stealing jokes. And that's a big no-no within the stand-up comedy scene. Like, you're not supposed to steal jokes. Because people work really hard. They'll spend literally years working crappy clubs all over the country night after night crafting these jokes so then for somebody to just come along and rip it off really kind of sucks so joe rogan was the person who decided to take it upon himself to put carlos mencia on blast and i think that he confronted him at a comedy club did he go up on stage and like grab a mic and like call him out for being a joke thief yeah, and that was pretty controversial because uh, there's complaining about somebody writing at the time. You know, he could have put up a little video somewhere, like written a blog post or something like that. But no, no, he just ran up on stage. It was like, dude, you're stealing material. You're the worst comic alive. You're a terrible person. And that was on video, too. Yeah. Uh, and so that that really kind of went went viral. But it opened the debate on who does this, how many people do it. And through the years, this keeps coming up. You know, Amy Schumer got in a bit of trouble for this a couple of years ago. And there it's extremely, it's, it's really tough because she's got a room of people writing these jokes for her TV show at, at the time. Um, did those people hear a funny thing and it, it stuck in their head and eventually they think it's their idea, which 
I do that kind of thing all the time. Everyone does. I hear something. Everyone yeah. does. It, like it's it's sort of like stealing in good faith. You truly do not realize it. Yeah. Is that what happened there, or did somebody like did did somebody really copy these jokes? And then, what role does Amy Schumer have? How is she supposed to know? if something has appeared somewhere else before, like you'd have to have this bizarre exhaustive knowledge to be able to identify that one of your writers did it. Or did she say, go find the funniest things you can and we'll change a couple words, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so the teacher doesn't notice our homework is different. You know, it could be anything in between those two options. Uh, But that, that call out, on stealing really started with Joe Rogan with the Mencia thing. And Carlos Mencia has not had a whole lot of a career since, has he? Not really. And you know what? You mentioned like going down to comedy clubs and surfacing stuff. I I heard that they did that for Seinfeld. I don't remember which bit it was. It might've been the episode where they're eating just like the muffin tops and they're like throwing out the muffin stumps. <laughs> I don't okay, know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if you remember this episode. <laughs> muffin stump. <laughs> yeah, but they're like cre- creating this new business that sells only the muffin top because that's the good part. And like nobody likes the stump. And then, of course, Kramer ends up like on a city bus with like a Santa Claus bag full of muffin stumps. He doesn't know how to get rid of, you know, whatever. It It, it just escalates from there. But I think that was one of the bits that like one of the Seinfeld writers went to like the comedy seller and heard somebody come up with this. And then, you know, they turned it into like a plot line in the episode. So I don't know. <laughs> well, we've had this where we've talked about a thing and a year later, um, one of us will bring that idea back up as if it was our own. And, and you know, it's like, what are you making a joke here? Or do you sincerely believe this thing was your idea? Like, <laughs> dude, <laughs> we never have a problem with it because this happens so often, but there have been a lot of things that you have, you have dropped out there. I have internalized them to the point where I think I'm a genius when I pull them back out. Like, <laughs> like, oh, he's going to love this. <laughs> I need uh, to say, and I actually, I actually did this once. Uh, oh, I, I can't believe I just remembered this now. Um, back when Google reader had the RSS feeds. If, if you're, uh, you know, a, a toddler here listening to the show, you won't remember this, but back when there were, when blogs were super popular, you'd subscribe with RSS and read it in a feed. And sometimes there would be, uh, you know, it, it would go in continuity with time. Uh, but you know, I'm scrolling through and at that time, part of my job was tracking the feeds of like 500 websites. So I would zip through hundreds of articles a day uh, and see what was new and interesting. Well, I started reading this article and I'm like, oh, this one is good. And every single point in it, I agreed with. Uh, It was fantastic. It was one of the best things that I'd ever read. And just literally point by point, sentence by sentence, it was just accurate. 100% 100% beautiful. The writing was amazing. It jumped out at me. And then I looked to see who who wrote it, and it was me. <laughs> uh, my <laughs> On this one site, the RSS feed had reset and had been serving articles from like two years ago. And it had been long enough that I'd completely forgotten that I'd written it. Of course, it seemed like it was perfect writing because that's exactly how I would have written it. I agreed with all the points because they were my own. 
and I had, <laughs> at no point did I recognize that it was mine until I looked at the the uh, byline on it. Uh, but that's how powerful it is that you can those things can fall out of your mind. Things can jump in them and become your own, and you get this very weird result, even though you don't mean to at all. So, to me, from all the things you're describing, whether it's uh, a meme thing or a variation on a tweet or a video, it depends on the feeling I get out of it, whether somebody's trying to lift something uh, and and just, I can't even think of the word, but, you mm. know, like, it usually is pretty clear whether somebody's intent was malicious or there's like a good faith thing whether it's a tribute or whatever you know and like whether this is good or bad kind of depends on the feel that you get from that yeah i did want to mention that 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 speaking of having ideas and thinking that your own (laughs) there was a there was a moment and he still brings this up and teases me about it a few years ago where jake was having a meeting about a book about like writing a children's book right and his Oh, you told me about this. You told me this. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to I don't want to get into it too much cuz I don't, I don't want to talk about what my book's about, but the plot he was telling me the plot of my own book that I told him. And he <laughs> thought that he came up with it. I was like, "Dude, that is my story." Like, "No, no, no, no. You can't pitch this. You don't even realize that you 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 just are taking my story that I told you. Now I'm not going to tell you anything. <laughs> That's right. It it violates a little bit of a uh, little bit of the sanctity, a little bit of the trust when somebody's just going to internalize and and profit from your life like that. He didn't know. And I had a plan. No, no. That that stuff just does. It really does happen. Yeah. And you can you can get a sense of whether it's straight up copying i mean in music so many times how many times have people like stolen songs and there it it goes for so long that led zeppelin is still fighting about uh stairway to heaven you know in, in the courts wow. i think only recently has that made progress the last couple of years uh it's and that is 40 years old Ugh. 40 50 it's pretty old 50 years old the song that that is very close to it, and it is very close. If you've ever heard, yeah, uh, the comparison side by side, I think came out in like '68 or something like that. So uh, it can take 50 years to figure out the intent uh, mm-hmm. and what's going on here. You know, uh, oh, the, the I'd say the most famous, probably modern one, is uh, Vanilla Ice with with Queens Under Pressure. No, 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 you know, no. They, th- there was one really recently with um, Robin Thicke. That was oh, re- with Blurred Lines? Yeah. Yeah, Blurred yeah, Lines. Yeah, you're right about that. I forgot about him. Yeah. I, dropped off I, map I think bit. that they lost that case. Was it Was it with uh, Marvin Gaye's estate? Something uh, like that, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to be wrong on that. I could be wrong on that. We're just kind of- eh. We're just kind of riffing on this, but- but but that that was a re- a recent one they lost and i i almost want to say that happy by pharrell also that they were sued for that song maybe that was the the marvin gaye thing but yeah i mean this this happens all the time the one thing before we get to baby gang questions i i do want to say about the twitter thing that makes it extra weird is that nobody's really profiting off of it it's just likes and retweets <laughs> right so so it gets but that's making your audience happy 
it, it is it's building an audience and giving them content. But it's not like you can give somebody like tweet royalties, you know, like if you're if you're a writer on Conan and you write a great joke that Conan tells and everybody thinks, wow, Conan's so funny. And then the writer's like in the back being like, well, maybe I'm the one who's actually funny. That was my joke, right? But that guy's getting <laughs> that guy's getting paid by Conan, right? To, to write those jokes. Yeah. Nobody's getting paid on Twitter to do anything. So it gets like extra kind of strange when you get like too, I guess, upset about stealing tweets. But I, I just find it uh, uh, I just find it kind of icky to copy and paste well, I had a tweet rip. Just as lame. It, it it could be. I thought I, I mean, I developed a plan here with, with James, this plan just exploded an hour ago and I, I was in such great shape. Uh, I was going to at VidCon 2020, I was going to slowly take off my glove and slap him across the face with it to challenge <laughs> him to a duel yeah. uh, <laughs> to resolve this issue. And then we get the announcement that VidCon's canceled. So I, I have to deal with this, this scamp in another way, this criminal. Yeah. Okay. But the reason I think it's weird, I just, I just realized because you, if you think somebody did a funny tweet, you could just retweet it and then they get credit and they get exposure to your audience for being funny rather than copying and pasting their funny idea and passing it off as your funny idea. That's kind of whack. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I, I, I think it's lame. Well, some people have made Twitter careers on doing exactly this. I mean, there are accounts that are purely yeah. lifted stuff. Yeah. Whether it's going, finding jokes on uh, Reddit, if it's not just finding other tweets, there are a lot of like repositories on the internet uh, where you can just mine short snippets of really funny stuff. Yeah. Pictures as well, um, you know, and, and, and captions uh, to different things, just little, little tiny things and, and nobody will find out uh and if you compile those if you aggregate them then you can have a really useful account and i follow some of those accounts because it's like a one-stop shop for funny things to me mm -hmm. so <laughs> like, I, I don't know you know it's sort of like the equivalent of of going to a pawn shop and you're like oh everything i'm buying here at this really shady pawn shop these are all definitely stolen goods but i'm okay with that because i'm paying like 60 percent less so it's probably not ethical for me to follow but uh hey it's it's useful Yes, it's useful and you're part of the problem. All right, let's <laughs> let's uh let's get into some of our baby gang questions. Uh well, and also dumpster crew. We yeah. oh, we opened it up to the dumpster crew this week because we want to hear right. from you as well. That's right. Uh since we're talking about originality and creativity and stuff like this. Andre, who has he, he makes incredible art pop in if you pop in the discord his stuff is in created in the unknown he streams sometimes he's awesome i'm one of his patrons on patreon because i think he does such great work and i i really hope to see a lot more of it um he says is your creator asks if your is your creative time during the morning afternoon or night when does inspiration usually hit do you have an answer for that yeah, it's definitely morning. I'm way more focused in the morning than I am as the day goes on. I think part of that has to do with it's quieter for me in general mm -hmm. in the morning. It's very, very quiet in the morning. There aren't a lot of emails coming in. There aren't a lot of text messages or 
Facebook messages or anything coming in uh, because a lot of the people that I work with are on the West Coast. So the morning time is quiet. There's no distraction. And that's, to me, the recipe for creativity. Once the distractions start rolling in, it's really hard to be creative because just tiny disruptions into focusing for me can really throw me off. Like if something, sometimes just like having a phone call can throw me off for the rest of the day. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's absolutely it's true. true. Like if I have a phone call that's upsetting in some way or something didn't go the way that I thought it was going to, or now I have to deal with this because that happened. There's, there, it's really hard to just not think about that anymore and get back into being creative. So the the morning is definitely the best for me. But I could see how some people, the, for, for some people, maybe the night is quieter for them if like everybody is sleeping or whatever, and then they can just be alone. But I think it's really important to have quiet time, be to have creative time, be quiet. <laughs> it used to be the night for me. I used to do most of my work through the night. And and I was kind of the type where it's like, oh, the sun's coming up, time to sleep. Mm -hmm. uh, because I, you know, I really liked working from midnight to say six in the morning or something like that. Um, that was 10 years ago. Now I'm increasingly, I, I like waking up early and having what you said, which is no interruptions. My phone's not, not blowing up. I'm not getting emails. Uh, nothing is distracting me. It's kind of like watching a show without commercials. It's not like you get angry at commercials. Okay. You probably don't. I don't. Uh, but it's a thing starting and stopping. And that's the best case scenario is you lose that continuity because you have commercials. But then imagine if the commercials did throw you off and did upset you. You know, it's like you're watching, I don't know, what, what show have you been watching recently? Oh, Better what Call Saul. Like? I love Better Call Saul. Okay, you're watching Better Call Saul, and then there's a commercial, and then after that, they just throw in like a 30-second clip of like a beheading video. Oh, okay. And then it's, then it's back to Better Call Saul. Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> like, that would be pretty like insane. <laughs> yeah. It, it, would, it throws off the, the continuity of everything and has the capacity to put you in a different mood. And whenever there's a time that you can just do your thing and control all of all of it and be bulletproof. That's, I think that's ideal. And just with my life changing, that has gone from being extremely late at night to, uh, you know, seven in the morning. And I think that it's important to recognize when that is for you. Absolutely. Like what, whether it's, whether, you know, you are working a day job and when you come home from work, it's a, you still have a lot of energy from work and maybe you can get um, creative stuff done before you get tired at night. You know, maybe that, that, that's, that used to work for me when I was working at the chicken wing place, I would get home from work instead of, you know, going out with everybody to the bar, I would go home and, and work on creative projects. Cause I was still kind of amped yeah. up and had a lot of energy from, from working eight hours and being on my feet, but I wasn't ready for bed. So I wasn't ready for bed. And I could get some work done. So it's it's all about carving out time, I think, every single day, hopefully, uh, for your creative projects. Vladimir Lemon, which is one of my favorite names in Discord history. Mm. Vladimir Lemon. I love this. Has a question that doesn't say it's for you, Kevin, but I'm going to make you answer it. What is your favorite color in hex notation? 
<laughs> oh man. <laughs> I don't know off the top of my head. Remember when we used to do website stuff? I used to know a lot of colors yeah. in in hex by memory. I don't anymore. It's been so long since we did since we did that. Isn't white just all Fs? Isn't white just F F F F F? It's either white or black. And the other one is zero 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 zero. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's been a while since I was in hex world. Well, I guess we're gonna go with Fs then. Yeah, a bunch of Fs. That was the first thing I remembered. The old report card combination. Just <laughs> Fs down the line. Yeah, straight Fs. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't, I legitimately cannot remember anything beyond zeros and Fs. Yeah, that's you know, I just can't. It's, the ones it's we been use too the long. Most. Yeah. And now you, you click around and just get the color that you need and probably don't have to look because designing stuff back in the day, you would have to use that hex code like... A million times every time you did anything. Yeah. So even if you didn't try to memorize it, you saw it so many times you did. Now I see it never. Yeah. Yeah. That was before like CSS even. And you can just do that uh, for a whole site. But gosh, yeah, we're old. My satellite wants to know what your favorite berry is. What is your favorite berry? I like strawberries. Is a strawberry even a berry though? Is that one of those things where it's like... A strawberry is not actually a berry. <laughs> you know, there are a bunch of things that are like that. I'm going to look it up. I think it's I think it's related to the tomato pretty closely. But there's a, a variety of strawberries that taste like bananas. I think it's bananas. They're kind of white. I was looking at them in the catalog the other day. Uh, as you're doing that. It's not. The second half of that question. It's not a berry. Botanically speaking, it, strawberries don't meet the definition of a berry. So there you go. Yeah, I had a feeling that's that was one of those things where it's like strawberries are not actually a berry. It says a true berry is a fleshy fruit formed from the ovary of a single flower with a seed or seeds embedded on the inside of the flesh. To put it simply, berries have seeds on the inside of the fruit. So botanically speaking, strawberries don't meet the definition of a berry. So, But what is it then? If it's not a berry, what is it? Um, What's the outside seed? It says they. Classification. They. <laughs> this is so. Now we're getting into the weeds. Uh, no pun intended. It's. An I'm okay ex- with berry weeds. It's an example of an aggregate, an aggregate fruit, forming from a flower that has many ovaries. The ovary being part of the flower that eventually develops and ripens into a fruit. Are you a flower with many ovaries, Kevin? Um, I am. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> he also asked, will we ever get a TCU public berry picking farm? Uh, yeah, obviously. That's that's the reason public? we started this podcast is to to create a public berry picking farm. Yeah. where Where have you been? You didn't know that? I think we have to roll it back to private berry picking farm, patron only berry picking farm. (laughs) If you want this sweet juice, if you want this sweet juice, if you want this sweet juice that you can then trade for pictures of hindquarters, then (laughs) you you need to pick our berries privately through our (laughs) berry Patreon. What have we gotten into? My neighbor actually was going to have a strawberry farm. Um, until last year, they decided to change and, and raise cows instead and have uh, meat cows, not dairy cows. Uh, but they, yeah, they fully intended to have like a 12-acre strawberry farm. That's a pretty uh, was, big difference. 
should we do strawberries yeah. or cows? It's like this. <laughs> it's such a uh, that's a wild swing. I follow their Facebook page, so I, I don't know. I, I've never actually had a conversation with them. I've never talked to them in the three or four years they've lived there. This is the next door neighbor, but I I actually just found out a couple of weeks ago what they look like because they posted pictures on their Facebook page. Oh my gosh! Um, so, <laughs> so I didn't know, but yeah. So like I follow it there, and they they have some. They explained their berry switch. Um, <laughs> so Boromir wants, uh, he wants to know what's the best compliment you've ever received? Well, that, I guess it was, it was recently. Um, well, not recently now when I did my um, TEDx talk, you know, my parents, obviously they watched it cause it was streaming and you know, the next day I was, I was talking to them about it and my dad who, you know, builds guitars and has built guitars mm-hmm. his whole life and is a master luthier and has built guitars for a number of extremely legendary guitar players like Jerry Garcia. Uh, he said that the, the talk that I did was better than any guitar he could ever build. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't think you told me that. Yeah. Well, it was, it just was, yeah, it was really touching. I, I couldn't believe that he said that. I mean, it doesn't. That's amazing. Yeah. It doesn't really get any bigger than that, honestly, for me. So it's all downhill from here then. Yeah. I've, I've peaked. That's the point. You have peaked. I peaked on Friday when, uh, you know, we both took a little time off to go to the grocery store and pick up a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, I had now there's a, a plastic bag ban in New York, mm-hmm. just like there is in California, mm-hmm. uh, you know, selling the little plastic bags. They don't ban them, but you have to pay for them if you want them or bring your own. So I have these huge Ikea bags and I bought all this food uh, and I start bagging them with these large blue bags and the guy stops and he's like, that is the biggest bag I've ever seen somebody bring into this store. <laughs> And we got in the car and I, I'm talking to Maura about it. I'm like, did you hear what he said to me? Like, that was incredible. I felt so good about that. <laughs> like, if if I stripped naked and some woman was like, oh, that's the biggest one I've ever seen, it would not mean as much to me as the guy at the grocery store telling me that I came in prepared with the largest bag, the largest grocery bag he'd ever seen. <laughs> that's top five for me. Yeah. You can die happy now knowing that. So it's downhill for both of us then. Yep. Jeff Davis, perennial, perpetual friend of Vsauce and the Create Unknown, wants to know what your favorite Pokemon is, Kevin. Oh, no. This is two episodes in a row where I'm going to be outed as not being into two of the most popular gaming franchises in the history of video gaming. And that's- You got to have a favorite though. Pokemon. Even for being like a casual observer. Ah, not really. I don't know. Pikachu, I guess. I, it's You could say Gengar and get some Silverman points. Yes, I'll get some Silverman points and say Gengar. I I enjoy his obsession with with that. No, I uh I I I had one Pokemon game that I played for a little while and I got bored. I don't know. I like Shin Megami Tensei, which is kind of like the horror version of Pokemon where you collect kind of like demons and 
I like that game, that game series, but Pokemon, not my bag. I think Cubone is awesome because he wears a skull. He's got a skull on his own head, like a helmet and his weapon is a bone, like a leg bone. <laughs> yeah. He just runs around. I don't know what Cubone actually is as an animal, but he's got a skull helmet and a bone. Like this is amazing. I love Cubone. <laughs> That's good. Uh, <laughs> so, but, but yeah, I don't know the Pokemon universe much. Um, Favorite animated series, though. This is from uh, James. And I was excited for you to field this. Anime or just animated series? Animated series. Does that include anime? I, I Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Okay. Sure. I don't know the lines of division on this kind of thing. I don't think there's there, there are any. But I would say probably The Simpsons, like the years... That I, I okay. loved that show. I loved that show more than any other show. Like f- up until probably 1998, maybe 99. I we know just, about your Simpsons fallout. Oh, gosh. Yeah. We, we talked about, about my fallout on, with that show. But, but prior to that fallout. on the Simpsons. Man, I just devoured that show. I would come home from school and I would tape episodes on, my, on a VHS every single day. This was before DVDs and before streaming just so like I had them on tape. I absolutely love, love the Simpsons anime. I don't know. That's too hard to pick. I have, it would be hard enough probably for me to make a, a top five. Maybe I'll, I'll maybe we'll do that in a different episode. Don't you like Jojo Siwa's Bizarre Adventure? <laughs> I've only watched the first couple of seasons of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. I, I do really like it though. I, I haven't seen <laughs> any of the, the newer seasons. <laughs> That show's good though. It's very crazy. Well, we're gonna have another another stream very soon. Yes. Uh we're definitely gonna do that. So jump on the Patreon, follow so you get announcements there, follow on Twitter so you see it. Because we're trying to advertise in Discord uh for when these are so that if you need a little notice, uh add it to your calendar, depending on what time it is. We wanna give you that notice. So follow us somewhere. That's what I'm I'm begging and pleading for. Follow us somewhere so you can find out about things like uh like the streams. And yeah. we have we have a little more free time than we used to. We have fewer burdens uh for the future, for example. We did just briefly mention VidCon was canceled right as we started this stream. Uh it was yeah, officially yeeted as we predicted. Yep. And we'll we'll be talking about stuff like that a little bit. And we'll see what comes of all that further in the year. For uh, sure. Yeah. But, maybe they'll do it in the fall, but I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. But yeah, the live streams are we'll awesome. We get to know you and, and, and interact with you and uh, find out, you know, which fast food places that, that you really love and you really hate. And we get to d- debate it, you know. So please join us. Which in is those. Incredible fun. It is. It's, it's, it's it sounds just so much, dumb, it's so much but it's fun. it's great. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> so yeah, follow us everywhere. Join us in the Discord. Follow us on patreon.com slash the create unknown so that we get to talk directly to you and you get to talk directly to us. Until then, see you, Space Cowboys. We'd like to thank everybody who we talk to every single day in the Discord, and especially the patrons who make this show happen. Thanks to our editor, Marcus Allen, and to associate producers Jeff Davis, Isaac Teal, Trev's dad, James Gallagher, Speen Braithwaite, 
Andrew Stimson, Keaton Sample, Jesse Robertson, Boromir Schiffers, Mansur Chinchilla, Sean Malone, Jen Mafasanti, Kevin with an E, Menard, Monaghan, Patrick Pister, and Fraken. And also to Baby Wrangling super producer Ben Webster. Thanks also to Paula Lieber and the stunningly gorgeous Mo Lewitt, and to our very generous sponsor of this and every episode, Eagle Brand Sardines. We're in an apocalypse. Stock up on tiny little fish. You won't regret it. The Create Unknown is a production of Unknown Media. Thank you.